But I want to share a, basically a, a three-sermon mini-series. And the title of the series is What's in a Name? And I want to talk about three J's. And the first one, I'll, you'll figure out the other ones when you come the next two weeks. But the first J I want to talk about is Jacob. And so we're going to look at the life of Jacob and talk about, uh, with regard to what's in a name, talk about some issues around surrounding Jacob's name uh, and what his name was and what it became. So I'm going to read to you this morning from uh, Genesis, the 32nd chapter, verses 20 through th- 22 through 32. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 32, 22, beginning in verse 22. Now, let me just read for you and follow along or listen if you don't have the Bible. It reads like this. And here we encounter, let me just give you the background. We encounter Jacob here. After a long life of, um, of sanctified trickery, uh, he's a man who's part of God's plan and God's promise. And, uh, but what happens is Jacob, will see, we'll learn something a little later and we'll talk about his character and, and who he was. And so he's gotten himself into kind of a pickle. Have you ever gotten yourself into pickle, a jam? Why is it always food stuff? Pickle, jam. Um, have you ever gotten yourself into a marmalade? Um, uh, and so he's, he's, he's basically, he had, over the course of his young years, had defrauded his brother Esau on a, a couple of significant occasions. And uh, so here some years later, you know, you can mess over people and you can, Go your way, and then sometimes your path comes back around, and you end up having to reconnect with those people. And sometimes that reconnection can be a fearful thing, right? And so he's about to uh, uh, meet up with his with his brother Esau. He's asked God uh, to to help him uh, up to this point, but he's he finds himself alone and dealing with his own thoughts and the prospect of his meetup with uh, his brother Esau. After a long time and after some unresolved family issues. And so at the beginning of verse 22 of Genesis 32, it says, As the same night he arose and took his two wives, it was a different time, all right, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, meaning Jacob, Jacob. Then he said, That's the man. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of this place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Do you know what it's like when you finally come face to face with yourself and your, your situation, the things that you've, sometimes the, the, the situations of our own, of our own making? 
you read the story of, J- of Jacob in Genesis, you find out that Jacob, as a young man, uh, had a propensity to be a trickster. Or uh, he was, he, we could say that he was conniving and, and jiving and always striving. And uh, uh, the two most significant things that happened earlier in his life is, first of all, there's a certain point, because Jacob was a homeboy. He's described as, in, in, you know, with regard to his mom, Jacob was the one that kind of stayed at home, and Esau was the one that went out in the field and, and hunted. And interestingly, the Bible says that Jacob was, was a smooth man. He, was, he didn't have much body hair. He was smooth. And then Esau was the one, you know, who had to wax his back, you know. He was a... And his hands and his arms and everything else. He was a hairy man. And so uh, we see that uh, Jacob basically at a certain point, one of the first times uh, where the, the, the trickery occurs is that J- Jacob has, has been cooking some, uh, some, 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 some sort of, of, of red concoction, uh, maybe stew or some lentils with some chili in it or some, some, some chili or some gumbo maybe or... or uh, Something in a bowl, something like something that you cook in a pot, that you cook up, right? You know, maybe some jambalaya, I don't know. Uh, but he was, he's been cooking something up. And uh, so Esau's been out in the field, and he's been, he's been hunting, and he, he comes home, and he's about to die. You know how you get when you haven't eaten some of y'all? Hangry. Hangry. And he, he, he comes back, and he's, he's, he's starving. And he, and he says to, uh, to, uh, to his brother, he says, Get, and, I, and I think from the King James it says something like this, give me some of that red. You know, he says, give me, give me some of whatever that, what, what you got in that pot. Give, man, I need a bowl. I need a bowl of uh, uh, chitlins or so. Whatever that, no, that wasn't chitlins. Wrong culture. <laughs> I, need a, I need a bowl of whatever that is. That stuff you done made up, it sure smells good. He's hungry as all get out. And Jacob says, uh-huh, uh, I, 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 I got you, bro. Here you go. He says, here's the deal. I'll give you some of this stew, but, but you, you have to give me something in return. You got to pay for this. He says, well, what do you need? He says, basically, give me your birthright in exchange for this stew. And if you know anything about Hebrew culture, you know that the birthright belonged to the oldest, and, and it, was a, it, it, it conferred upon that, 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 that heir a double portion of blessing of the inheritance, and it, 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 it was a place of honor in the family, and so it was no light thing. And I preached a sermon about this because it's basically as the ultimate sellout, what, what Esau does, because if you had any sense and someone had, you know, it's like if you're hungry, uh, and you and you walk up to the taco stand and say, "Hey, let me get one of those carne asada tacos." And the dude tells me, "Well, sign me, sign over your house." You know, it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm not that hungry. Or even if he tells me, "Give me your credit card and just let me just get an open, let me just get an open ticket on you." No, you know, uh, how, give me the keys to your car. Well, my car is not paid for. <laughs> that that helps, right? But give me the key. You know, something precious for something that is. That is simple and fleeting, and that you know that that doesn't is not really worth that much, except to you in that moment. But his birthright was was incalculable. It was worth. It was it was something of, of value and something to be treasured. But Esau capitulated and 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 and, and gave him his birthright, and uh, so he sold his soul for a, for a bowl of 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 red, whatever that red was. Again, gumbo, chili, not chitlins, right? And so that's the first time. So Jacob gets over. And something, you know, what, what happens when you start getting over on folks, you start thinking you can get over. And so you keep on getting over because you realize that you think that you're slick, right? And so Jacob realized it. And, and we'll see later on as we go on in a few moments, we'll see how this, this, is, this, this is in line with Jacob's, with his character and his name. And so as, as he goes on, uh, later in, in life as his father, uh, uh, 
Isaac is, is, uh, is um, um, about to, is, is at the end of his life and, and he can no longer see, right? He's blind. And, uh, and uh, so now we're talking about the birthright and now we're talking about uh, the, the blessing that would come at the end of your father's life for that one child. And so um, uh, basically it gets more devious than that because it has to do with now Esau is out and going away and, and, and trickery, whereas Jacob actually, because he's hairy, actually takes some animal skins and puts on his hand and goes into his father and says, Hi, it's me, Esau, and uh, uh, please, would you bless me now? Because that blessing was significant. By the way, to parents and grandparents and others, realize the significance and the importance of, of, of speaking blessing over your children, over your grandchildren, over your, over your beloved your, your loved ones, right? And so he goes in and basically cons his dad with his mother's help. And sometimes moms can, can help boys be more devious than they would be, huh? Hello. I'm not saying that about you. <laughs> but he goes in and basically, with, you know, he's, and basically says, this is me, Esau. Here, feel my, you know, and he say, oh, yeah. I actually feel more like goat skin, but I guess uh, you, you do need to shave. And they haven't invented waxing yet or whatever, you know. And so basically he, he gets, he gets and, and he brings in the food, the, the savory meat that his father likes. Because that was the, the, the ruse was that the father liked the way that, that he liked the meat, that, the game that Esau would bring home from the field. Of, you know, the, the steaks and the chops that he would whoop up, you know, for him, the barbecue, if you will. And so, but, so Esau, Esau's out getting, you know getting what he needs he had to go in and ask for the blessing and get that blessing that is, that, 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 that is his by right. But, but, but meanwhile, Jacob has gone in and gave him some, probably went to Mr. Jim's or, or to and somewhere and got some barbecue and said, here, here's the, the kind of meat you like. And, you know, oh, that's, oh, thank Esau, my son. And he speaks the blessing over Esau. And about the time he's finished with that, Esau comes home and is like, what? Dude then stole his blessing. And Esau is like outdone. Because for you and I, we say, well, why can't he just rescind it? And why he can just say, oh, you tricked me? No. And the way it worked in that time is like that was it was an irrevocable, an irrevocable thing. And so this is Jacob's. This is the kind of guy you're looking with. Later on, when Jacob is is, is trying is working for Laban to get his wife uh, Rachel, um, he gets played by by Laban, and he gets uh, Leah instead. That'd be cold to get home and find out. Look under the bed. Oh, the wrong one. That's my. That's, I'm her sister. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, and, and that he works for seven years, but even in that Laban's running a game on him. And then he runs kind of some kind of little bit of a game on Laban to get out of that. So that, this is his, this is his, his character. This has been his, his destiny. And so he's gone through all these things. And now he, here he is in the moment where he's about to meet, he's about to meet uh, Esau face to face. And Esau has, has grown and it's, has been prospered and successful, has a large entourage, a large family and a, and, and, and a lot of men with him. You get it? And uh, so here we are. We, we find Jacob on the verge, on, on the eve of this meeting. And he's in this, this, uh, this place where he's alone and, and with his own thoughts. And what happens is, basically, the text, as we read, said that a man wrestled with him. And it's, it's rather obscure when you look at it because it just, like, comes out of nowhere he says, uh, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now, theologians believe that this man was, was, was undoubtedly what we would, who we would term the angel of the Lord, who undoubtedly was, a, a pre-incar- was the pre-incarnate Christ, because this man was no regular man. This wasn't just the rock or something. This was like somebody, this was somebody serious. And, and I know it says, well, how could he keep him? Well, 
I guess God decided to engage Jacob in this moment. And so uh, this man wrestles with Jacob till the breaking of the day. This man, we could say, is probably Jesus before the incarnation or, the, or, or, or some angel. And he wrestles with him. And ultimately, we, what we saw was that uh, uh, the, the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob. Now, get with me because this, goes, this is counterintuitive because we would say if this, if this is anything having to do with God, if it's an angel or if it's Jesus or if it's, if it's, if it's anybody, uh, it would seem that this mere mortal would, would have been overcome and could not have, have retained him this long. But he says, let me, after he wrestled with him, he says, let me go for the day has broken. But notice Jacob's words in verse 26. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. It always blows me away. Um, and this story resonates with me because it's, it's really counter to any kind of well-packaged, nice, neat theology that we, we have. Because here we have the sovereign God of the universe, if you will, coming down and engaging and wrestling with a human being, if you will. And there's no doubt, if you think about it, that God is going to win. But Jacob demonstrates something deeper and a greater strength than we might expect. And notice this, that Jacob wins. Ultimately, we'll see that he wins by losing. But he wins by tenacity, and he has this dogged determination to not lose and to not give up. I will not let you go until you bless me. Some of us would do well to adopt that as our, as our motto, as our, as our mantra. Maybe as this as your life verse. God, I will not let go of you until I, um, I see evidence of your blessing in my life. I will not let go of you until you come through for me. I will not let go of you until I figure it out. I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. Whatever that blessing that you need in life might be. That means that sometimes when we talk about blessing, we have to contend for blessing, right? It means you don't give up on God. Why? Because God doesn't give up on you, right? And, and that's why it means, it means you don't, you don't when, when things don't turn out the way you expect them right when you expect them, you don't quit on God, right? You don't quit going to church. You don't stop praying. You don't quit reading your Bible, when you have doubts and uncertainties, you don't give up. You, 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 you refuse to allow your past to define your future. It means that you dare to contend for a better outcome in your life than you in and of yourself deserve. Like we're too caught up on what we deserve. Well, I know I, I did this and this. That. Look at what Jacob had, did, had done. Look at how Jacob had conducted himself. Look at the flaws in his character. It means that you dare to contend for a better outcome than you and yourself might think you deserve. And if that was the case in the Old Testament, how much more in the New Testament we have the blood of Jesus Christ that has paid the penalty for our sins. And we've been liberated from, from bondage and from guilt and from shame by, by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And that means you say like the psalmist, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord together. I refuse to accept anything less and do anything other than. And so Jacob gets a new name and a new walk. Now, yeah, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like this, but it's not like, it's not cool. It's kind of, you, he's dragging that one. When I graduated from high school, a big, there was a thousand of us in that class. And there was a, in the 
football stadium at Gardena High, and my wife was in the stands, and they were like three Charles Williamses. She knew which one I was from a distance because... It was the 70s, baby. You know what I'm saying? Right on. Afro, you know. Believe it. But, and the issue here is, is it goes beyond, sometimes we talk about reinventing ourselves, and there's a sense in which you can do that. And sometimes we, at a certain point, like, I'm going back to school, and I'm, I'm going to change the way I dress. I'm going to change the way I, I talk. I'm going to change the people I hang, with, hang out with. I'm going to change, I'm going to reinvent myself. That's one thing. But there's a difference between reinventing yourself and allowing God to reinvent or to redefine you. And I would suggest to all of us that we, we really would do well to, to encounter God in a way, maybe to struggle with God enough to where we would allow God to reinvent or to redefine us from how maybe we have thought about ourselves in the past or how others have viewed us, but more importantly, what, the way we have even conceptualized ourselves. And so for Jacob, this new self emerges out of this struggle. And what is it about the disability that happens after this, 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 this man, after the angel of the Lord or Jesus or whoever it is, basically touches the, the socket of his thigh and dislocates his hip? It's not like he wasn't crippled, but he was touched. He wasn't totally disabled, but he was, he was touched and he was incapacitated just a little bit. He was touched and his new, his gimp, if you will, right? It reminds him of the fact that it's, it's in God he lives and moves and has, has his being. Now he realizes how dependent he must be on God. His limp reminds him of the fact that he has encountered someone stronger than him because it was the living God and that he's struggling. Although he lost the physical match, he has indeed been blessed because, let me tell you something, sometimes when God touches your life, sometimes when God touches you, sometimes when you wrestle with God and come out on the other side, there is this thing called brokenness that, that ensues. And what that means is that there's something about our, our natural selves, something about our self-will, something about our own attitude where we're broken to where we're humbled before God. And maybe in a sense we seem not as strong in ourself as we as we were before. Maybe our self-confidence is not as, as high as we would want it to be or have thought it to be, but, but our confidence in God has gone through the roof. And so there's this irrationality to this blessing because Jacob doesn't deserve this blessing that he's asked for and received. He hasn't earned it. It's contrary to some folks' con- concept of justice because some of you are saying, hey, what goes around comes around. Esau should meet him up the other side of the pass and, and, and wear him out. Esau should, 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 get his, should get back at him for stealing his birthright and his blessing. I wouldn't let that go. And why would God bless this guy who's, who's, so, who's, who's such a trickster? But it reminds us, doesn't it, that God uses people who've made mistakes. That there is redemption for those of us who have failed, whose characters have been less than stellar. That God doesn't call the qualified, but God qualifies the call. That, that there's, there's hope for us when we fail, when we, and, and we may have demonstrated what, and I, I don't even know if I like this term anymore, character flaws, because I, I think that everybody has some flaw in their character. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, so we all start out with flaws. And so Jacob becomes a new man, not because he's Superman. He's a new man because he's finally come to grips with the, 
his ultimate need for God's grace and mercy. He realizes in this moment that his tricksterism, his, his, his conniving, his, his, his intellect, his, his cleverness is not going to do it for, it. It's for him. It's not going to carry him anymore. He has to do something different. And he realizes that there are limitations to his cleverness. There are limitations to his intellect. There are limitations to his trickiness. There, there are limitations to his strategizing, his, his gimmicks. And, but he realizes, he comes to find this, that there's no limit to the love and the grace and the mercy of God. Paul said it like this. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly, gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so, when you've wrestled with God and when you've prevailed... God has touched you and given you the blessing and maybe broken you in the process, not in a bad way, but in a way that helps you to understand your dependency on him. Not every circumstance in your life will be changed, but we can definitely be changed by a face-to-face encounter with God. Our human, our past in the human sense may not be eradicated or erased. Uh, the fact of our past, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the failures and the flaws, as well as the triumphs and the strengths, they remain an indispensable part of our story. you notice that that didn't negate all of which is written in Scripture about Jacob. His story is important for us to even understand it, so it's not done away with or taken away with, because we need to see the story. We need to see the progression so that we understand the reality of God's grace and mercy, and we understand the fact that we need to solely rely upon God. And so when you find yourself finally like Jacob, all alone, right? You ever been there? You ever found yourself in the middle of the night lying there in your bed and all, all of your, the reality of who you are and, and the things you've done and how you're, how you're managing your life and how you treat people and, and the, the issues and concerns and doubts and fears, all those things just come cascading through your mind when you're trying to sleep, right? You ever been in that place where you're all alone and you're, maybe you're talking to God and you're face-to-face, first of all, with your issues, you come to the end of yourself. But when you come to the end of yourself, guess what? You become, you are positioned for a blessing. And I believe that when you come to the end of yourself, just like Jacob in this moment, finds himself here in this lonely place, contemplating his future, contemplating the next steps. When you find yourself in that place, God himself will come to you. You might find yourself engaged in what seems to be a life and death struggle. You might maybe think that it would be in your best interest just to quit and to give up. But for some strange reason, God invites you to a wrestling you will struggle. You will wrestle with God. Now, let me just say this. I believe that God is looking for folks who are willing to struggle. Who are willing to fight for what is right. This weekend we celebrate the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King. If one word would categorize his life story, the word would be struggle. He struggled and fought for what was right. He was, he was in prison. He was maligned. He was followed by the FBI. He was ultimately killed probably by powers that we really don't even realize. Closer to our own government and our own, our own establishment than we realize, than we would care to admit. Because he stood up for the poor and the oppressed. and for, He stood up for racial and economic justice. As a matter of fact, he was doing all right when he was dealing with, with, with racial justice, racial parity. But he got in deep water when he renounced the Vietnam War and when he started to, to campaign on the part of poor people and working people. That was too much. But he struggled all the way to the end. 
God is looking for people who will struggle, who will fight, who will wrestle, who won't give up, who will not let go, who will travail and will travail based upon the simple conviction that God is God and God is God alone and he's able to help us, he's able to enter into our reality and make a difference. And so the most noble and the most helpful and the most righteous assertion you could ever make is to say what Jacob said, I will not let you go. You give up too easy? You ask God for something and then because it doesn't come tomorrow, you say, well, it must not be for me. Because that deliverance in your life doesn't come immediately because you've been struggling with that same habit for maybe some years because you've been dealing with that same relationship for, for maybe some time in your life and you say, well, maybe I, just, maybe I just need to quit. I don't want to bother God anymore. You can't bother God. And it's not because you deserve a blessing. It's not because of your stellar record. It's because, in fact, it's in spite of those things. It's because he loved me. In verse 20, he says, you have striven, or you've been striving and fighting and wrestling with God and with men and have prevailed. But look at verse 27. And this will kind of, we can look at this and we can begin to to unpack this and take it home. Verse 27, uh, he said to him, this is uh, the man saying to Jacob, he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. In Genesis 25, you see uh, the account of Jacob's birth. And after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. This is Jacob. So Esau's first, Jacob's two of these twins. And guess what? He comes out holding on to Esau's heel. Highly symbolic of what was to come. So he was called, so, notice that so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Okay, some of you folks, be careful because I, I that's, that's got up there. Watch out, Bobby Renee. Um, you're a musician in this band, and this, these guys are all having <laughs> Now, but if you look in the, in the NIV, you'll see the letter C in, 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 in brackets there, which, which points to a footnote. That says Jacob means he grasped the heel, or and it says an Hebrew a Hebrew idiom for he deceives. You see the, the origin of his name. Now, again in ancient culture in, in Hebrew culture, see we just name folks stuff, and then when you when you work in education with like over generations you see like like there's a bunch of Kyles right now. Uh, I have like several Elijahs. I was looking at the most popular names right now uh, in, for 2020. If any of you want to need some baby names, I got them here. Liam, Noah, William, James, Oliver, Benjamin, Elijah, and Lucas. So, you know, if, next five, six years from now, those are the ones you'll see in school. There'll be like five Lucases in your school. You know, or for, for girls, Luna. This is, this is very informative to me. Juniper, Sage, Astra, Lily, Violet, Aurora, Meadow, Poppy, and Nova. No thought to what those names mean. Just, hey, it's cute. It sounds cool. Or you could just make up one. Charlotte Muleman. Charlinea. You know? But names had meaning. And in, back in, in, down to 20, verse 20, uh, chapter 27, verse 26, a, a, after he steals Jacob's 
uh, after Jacob steals Esau's blessing, this is what Esau says. It says, Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has treated, he has tweeted me. (laughs) Now he has cheated me twice. He says, no wonder is, no wonder you named him grasp the heel. This boy is still holding on to my heel. Even though it's, it's ashy and needs some lotion, he's still holding on to my heel. We grown now, and he's still messing with me. First, he took my rights as firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. So here we have. He says, "This is Jacob. He's a cheater. He's a he's 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 a, he's a deceiver. He's a conniver. He's a trickster. He's a supplanter. He's a wrestler now. And when he comes to wrestle, guess what? He's already got his name, Jake the Snake." But what happens in this story? We just read it. God changes Jacob's name from healer, H, not H-E-A-L-E-R. He's wrestling with the healer, H-E-A-L-E-R. But he changes his name from healer or supplanter or usurper to Israel, which means prince with God. And so this new experience with God brings Jacob a new name and Jacob would now have it's literally, it's this, you will have power with God and with men, verse 28. And so God won this wrestling match because he was the challenger. Jacob had to be broken before God, before God could use him. But think of, that, think of all the things God could have said by way of reprimand in this moment. Jacob, you know what you did. It was messed up when you stole your brother's birthright. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, that was, that was raggedy when you, when you stole his blessing. That was Totally, you're just totally a deceiver, a liar going in there putting fur. In the words of my dad, what possessed you to go in there and put that fur on your hand and act like you, you, your brother? But he didn't do that. Instead, he merely said this, what's your name? Who are you? What's your name? God's purpose in raising this question is there's a lesson in that for all of us. It, it is too profound to ignore. In fact, it, it really, at this point, it, it really dramatically alters all of Old Testament history because understand this, in, in asking for the blessing from God, Jacob, remember when J- Jacob was revealed, was, was, was compelled rather in this moment by God's question when he says, what's your name? He's, he's compelled to, to relive the last time that he had asked for a blessing, the one he had stolen from his brother. What's your name? Jacob. And he's saying, yeah. And Esau said to me, no wonder your name is Jacob because you stole. And he, he said, Father, give me my blessing. But he's not going at it from a place of honesty. He's trying to usurp his brother's blessing and steal. So the last time Jacob was asked for his name, the question had come from his earthly father. Jacob, he said, who are you? And Jacob had lied on that occasion. He said, uh, oh, oh, I'm Esau. Because Jacob being a homeboy probably talking like this. And Esau being a rugged man of the field probably talk like this. Give me that, I, I, give me, I'm about to perish. Give me a bowl of that stew, boy. I can't because mom told me not to give you anything that you sell me. But that, that's not in the text. I just make this stuff up. But the last time Jacob was asked for his name, his father said, who is this? What's your name? And he said, "Uh, uh, I'm Esau. 
He lied and he stole the blessing. And now, he finds himself after all these years of running through life, looking over his shoulder. You know what that's like, right? Any of y'all can relate to that? Y'all had somebody after you for a while because you know what you did? In the face of an all-knowing and all-seeing Heavenly Father, once more he's asking for a blessing. Jacob fully understands the reason behind and the indictment contained in God's question. Jacob knows where, where, where God is coming from, where the angel of the Lord or Jesus or wherever the, the, the man is coming from. He says, my name is Jacob. And it's as though God is saying, you've spoken the truth and you know very well what your name signifies. You know what your name means. You know that you've been duplicitous. You have been deceptive. You have been a supplanter. You've deceived everyone. Everywhere you went, you always had game. And you thought that your game could get you over in life. And you were all about the game. And you thought you were so smart. But now you've got to acknowledge the real you. And once you acknowledge the real you and who you are, I can change you. And God says to Jacob, I will make a great nation out of you. You see, greatness in the eyes of God is always preceded by humility in his presence. There's no way for any of us, you or me, to attain greatness until we come to him and dare to engage with him and dare to wrestle with him. So God asked Jacob's name not because he didn't know him, right? Not because he didn't know it, but he wanted, he wanted to know if Jacob knew his name. Some, I asked some of y'all, do you know your name? You said, yeah, I think so. Do you really know your name? Are you in touch with who you are? He wanted to know if Jacob was ready to deal with to come to grips with, with, with who he really was or whether he's going to continue to fight and struggle in his own strength and whether he thought in this moment that by struggling, that's another game he could play. If he held on long enough, maybe he could just get over. So God holds him to account. He says, what's your name? Think about who you are. And when you say what's your name to a, to, to, to a Hebrew, it's not just what they call you, but it's what, who are you? What are you? So this is the deal. The point that all of us have to get to is to realize, for real, without being condescending, without being mean, without being judgmental, but let's be real about it, to realize that it is us. We are the problem, and we need someone to alter us, to transform us, to change us. And it's then and only then that, that we receive that new name. And in Jacob's case, he's given the name Israel, which means prince with God, or literally means he struggles with God, or God prevails. And his new name will forever be a reminder of his encounter with God, Always mindful of a lesson that we need God. So to everyone who believes today, God gives us a new name as well. Some of us, most of us here today, I would, I would suspect have been changed. Our name has been changed from sinner to saint. Amen? Amen? From rebel to friend, right? From enemy to son. From deceiver to believer. From supplanter to prince with God. From fearful maybe to courageous. From doubter to, to faithful. And again, the name Israel is not an easy one to translate. That's why I give you several. There are several renditions. Scholars differ on the meaning. Some translate it as the one who God commands or let God rules. One who fights victoriously with God or a prince with God or God's fighter. But I'll tell you what. Any one of those is a whole lot better than cheater. Any one of those is worlds beyond supplanter, conniver, trickster. He got game. Think about what your name is. 
And then think about what you would like your name to be. At times in my life where I realized my name was not, it was not what I would have wanted it to be. I identified in a, in a way that was not consistent with what I know God had called me to be and who I was born to be in the birthright that was, that was given me by my Heavenly Father. In simple terms, sometimes I was, I, I, I have, my name has been idiot. But my name should have been brilliant because God had given me his wisdom and his word and placed good people around me and given me a foundation. And I, I, and I behaved in, in, in such a way as you could just say, there, there, there goes idiot. At times in my life when my name was rebel, I should have been submitting to the will of God, but I was doing my own thing. And so you say, well, that's, that's God. Yeah, but that was my name because your name, again, from a Jewish perspective, your, your name, it, 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 your character, but also it, it reflects your destiny. There were times my, my, my name was headed for disaster. There were times my name was, was foolish when it should have been wise. There were times my name was, 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 was lustful when it should have been chaste. There were times when my name was, 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 was uh, irresponsible when it should have been responsible. And on and on and on. So think about what your name is. Maybe your name is fearful. You want it to be courageous. Maybe your name is, is confused and you want it to be focused. Maybe your name is, 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 is unfaithful and you want it to be faithful. Maybe your name is like Jacob's. Maybe you're a cheater. Maybe you're sneaky. Maybe you think you got game. Maybe you think you got this thing figured out. You see so many brothers and sisters, they, they think that they learn a few tricks in life and they think, I got this. But somewhere inevitably down the line, you get to a place where you realize all my game and all my, tri- all my tricks and all my game and all this stuff, you get to a point where that will do you. I'll tell you what. Let me tell you this. When you're in the hospital, your body's racked with pain. When they have you hooked up to IVs, when you've been in an auto accident and you're laid up and they're, and they're, and they're racing down the street with you in the back of, a, of, a, of, a, of an ambulance. When, when, when your loved one has finally got tired of all your mess and walked out on you for good and not coming back. In those moments, you realize all that, all that game I had, all, all, that, all those machinations, all, all my slickster and trickster stuff, it, it's not serving me. I, there's no way around this. Sometimes you get to, I have, there's nothing in my toolbox anymore. Some of you are a little too old to remember Felix the cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat. Whenever he gets in a fix, he reaches into his bag of tricks. Now, bro, open that little bag, that bag would turn into a stairway. And he'd go, ah, walking up the stairway. He, had, he would take that little bag and a little funny pattern on it and it would turn into whatever he needed. And y'all, sometimes we think we got a bag of tricks. Jacob had a bag of tricks. But in this moment, as he meets this man, this angel, this, the, the, the angel of the Lord or Jesus, whoever this is, in that moment, he's out of tricks and nothing will do. He has to wrestle with God. God is able to change your name this morning, but the, the issue is, are you willing to engage in the struggle? And first part of the struggle will be with yourself. And then are you willing to grab hold of God and tell him, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not, let, I will not leave the church until, I, I, until you've enabled me to figure this thing out. I will not stop praying until I feel your presence. I won't stop reading the Bible until be, the lights begin to come on and the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate it. I'm not going to give up and let go that easy. And people are walking out on Jesus by the droves in some places today. Don't let the Trump madness run you away from God. Because I don't care how many percent or whoever or what place politically, God is still on the throne and Jesus is still Lord. You keep your eyes on Jesus. A lot of, a lot, a lot of us are, 
have been reeled and rocking and reeling by this, the, the, the dichotomies that we've seen in society and the fact that, how, you know, how can Christians be for this and that? And, and, and there's sometimes you can look and say, I don't want to be an evangelical no more. Well, you may not want to be an evangelical, but make sure that you still want to be a Christian. Make sure you still want to follow Jesus. Make sure still, you still want God in your life. So you keep on fasting. Yeah, miss some meals every now and then. Take, spend a few moments with God in prayer. Keep on praying and keep on, keep on showing up at worship. Even if you don't understand it, it's all right. Sometimes it takes, look, it's take, I've been in this thing all my life and I still haven't got it figured out. You say, yeah, we know. Keep on, stay with it. Are you willing to be tenacious? Are you willing to, to think that maybe sometimes we can win by losing? Do you believe that God is able to change your name? He is. And for most of us as Christ followers, he has already changed our name. But there are other areas of our lives where he wants to work. There are other areas of our lives where he wants to bring us to a, a place of greater, deeper relationship with him. There are things in our character that he wants. There are things in our character that our, that our so-called pseudonyms uh, reflect that he wants to work out. And, and, and he wants to give us that new name. Amen. You want God to change your name this morning? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the story of Jacob this morning and for, for his, his journey that, that really reflects our journey. Journey from being uh, the victim of his own internal issues and lack of character in certain areas of his life. He was deceived into, into to, to believing that he could succeed in life and in relationships through being slick and smart, through game. He comes to the end of himself only to find you. And in that moment, you radically alter his world forever. You change his name. Lord, some here this morning need a name change. We need a game change. We need a heart transplant. We need your transformation in our lives. So, Lord, we lay on the altar, as it were, everything that is not pleasing to you. The areas of our lives where we, we realize that we have not allowed you to enter in and to, to work. Things in, the, in our character, in our, in our minds, in our thinking, in our emotions. The areas where we have blocked you out. We come face to face with you today, and Lord, we would dare to wrestle with you, to engage with you, to hold on to you, to, to struggle. So, Lord, I hope that my brothers and sisters here this morning, when, when, they, when their lives are riddled with doubt, that they wouldn't shy away from you or walk away, but they would turn to you and say, Lord, I have, I'm having trouble. I don't understand. I don't, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And that in that struggle, they would wrestle with you that all of our, our disposition will be this, that we will not let you go until you bless us. Lord, as a church, we will not let you go until you bless us in the ministry you've called us to do. As brothers and sisters in the Lord, we will not let you go until your will and your purpose is fulfilled in our lives. As believers, we will not let, we will not let you go until Christ is seen in our lives, until our testimony and our lifestyle and our, and, and our values and the way we conduct ourselves and, and the words.